correctly with the correct amount. D20 Radio, your gamers roll. Welcome to Opcast, Arms Around the Trinity Continuum. Our podcast does in-depth reviews covering everything from first edition to the newest story path edition of the books published for the Trinity Continuum, including Aeon, Aberrant, Adventure, and more. I am one of your hosts, Scott. Uh, you can also find me at on Twitter at SimulacraRPGs or on Twitch and YouTube at Simulacra TV. That is my actual play studio where we do all sorts of actual play, mostly in the Trinity Continuum. Hi there, I'm Josh Heath. I am the other host of this wonderful podcast. And as we are a member of the D20 Radio Network, I would like to quickly shout out Dice for Brains, an actual play RPG podcast. Uh, they bring people to the to tabletop gaming with podcasts and geek content. Uh, the Dice for Brains podcast delivers high production quality live play shows from a troop of actors and seasoned gamers. So if that's something that you're interested in, go out to the D20 Radio Network and check them out and listen to their podcasts. Today, we are talking about one of my favorite aberrant books of all time. Me too. <laughs> uh, we are talking about Aberrant Worldwide Phase 1. Yes. Uh, much as with Aeon Trinity, uh, they came out with, this is a first edition book. It's a series of adventures that are... Uh, probably looser connected than the darkness revealed ones. Um, yep. th they make a point of saying that like you, you could be playing the same characters through these, but you know um, the, the points of connection are a lot thinner. Um, like these adventures are very, very different from one another to the degree that it might not make sense to play the same characters through them. Um, Agreed. But I, I am, I am of two minds about this book. I recently reread the whole thing. Um, and in one hand, you know, we have our perspective on first edition content, which is we're we're examining this to try and help you mine it for ideas for your uh, Trinity Continuum uh, version of a, of a campaign. Uh, and for that purpose, there are huge swaths of this book that are <laughs> deeply incompatible. Yes, with yes. The, tr the Trinity Continuum version, like yes. not just in terms of like the meta plot and like the changes, <laughs> but especially the first one, which I have a feeling we're going to be talking a lot about. Yes. Uh, in yes. so much as, as you know, uh, time permitting, we may be splitting this up into two episodes because there's so much to talk about. Yeah. Um, but the politics uh, are oh, yeah. very, oh, my word. very out of date, uh, yes. like laughably so. Yes. Um. So yeah, that that has to be taken into consideration. But on the other hand, this book fucking rules. It's a great book. It's but... so good. Yes, yes. So briefly, mm -hmm. this is uh, so uh, meta plot. I just want to talk about what meta plot is first. Absolutely, we we need to discuss it in the context of this book. Yeah, and and we've mentioned meta plot here and there, but meta plot is this idea that you start with a core game book. And the story in the world changes as supplements are released so that time is progressing, the story is progressing, 
major NPCs do things. And, and that lets you decide as a story guide where you're going to insert your players into that ongoing story. But it feels like in a good meta plot that the world is alive and on a bad meta plot that you have no way to do anything to change the world, right? Yeah. In a bad meta plot, you're on a roller coaster and maybe you can squirt your water guns at the dinosaur every now yeah, and then. Exactly. And honestly, like Vampire the Masquerade uh, and all of the World of Darkness, the reason people, I think, bought into it so hard is the meta plot was good enough that you could read the books mm-hmm. and maybe not even ever play the game and still be invested in what was happening with the world, right? Mm-hmm. This book does that for Aberrant, but better. Yes. It, does, it, is, it is the best meta plot book I have ever read for any game line. Absolutely it is, because you can read this as a work of fiction. Yep. It's good enough to read in that case, but it is also constructed in such a way that they give you option after option after option for for every different faction. What can your characters be doing in this and not just be along for the ride, but participating and influencing the outcome of events? Yeah. And what is it's great is it's designed like an it's. Instead of a toolbox, it's an encyclopedia of Mm -hmm. concepts, right? Where like, if this were to happen, because you're in this group, here are some things, here are some Mm -hmm. hooks, here are some influences, here are some NPCs that you can interact with and drive. And, oh, here's just an NPC that any of these factions could potentially use. And it's so real, right? Mm -hmm. It's so like how, how every part of it is useful from a first edition standpoint, yes, <laughs> that you could just grab this, and I have uh, a few times with different parts of this, the adventures here, grab them and just ran, right? Yeah. And it works. Yep, it absolutely does. I've done the same. Um, I mean, it's so good. Like, in my perfect fantasy dream world, where... Uh, you know, in, in the golden age of TV, when like the Sopranos were going on, we had a, the, a mythical super geek TV producer and a boatload of money and cocaine. Uh, like this book could be the backbone of a multi-season prestige drama aberrant show. Yeah, absolutely. Like it, it plays it, out almost exactly like that big ensemble cast. Yep. Epic conclusion. It would. It reminds me of Heroes season one. Yeah, great show. Season one in particular, amazing through line with a very clear design from beginning to end on how the story was going to go. This could be that and better. Honestly, like yes. it's so well done. So yeah. now that we've buttered up the developer yeah. and the writers yeah. on yes, this book, yes. <laughs> yes, we have. Yes, we have. Um, yeah. So it's four adventures. Um, loosely connected. I mean, the, the connection points are there. And, you know, when they when it comes to the end, they kind of like say, like, here's where it's all been leading. Here's all the threads that you could have picked up on, uh, depending on how the story went in your game. Uh, but yeah, like, like I said before, they're different enough that it, it almost doesn't make sense to run different characters. Like a, an ensemble party yep. where right. like multiple characters, multiple players are playing different characters. Uh, and then you can interweave them like like kind of a, a round robin style or something like that. That might work. But there are some situations that are just deeply incompatible. I think the first two are probably the most compatible with each other. 
And then the second two are also pretty compatible with each other. I see that. And I, I wonder if they weren't kind of designed that way to be like the first two adventures kind of go together and the mm-hmm. second two. But honestly, like the adventures here are their timeline adventures, yes. right? They're things that are happening within the grand timeline of Aberrant that is going from the the hope of uh, originally 2008, right? Mm-hmm. Like the explosion and oh, the Nova Age is beginning and all oh, this is great. And eventually that's going to become the aberrant war yeah. and Aeon's wheel, coming, right? The wheels are starting to come off. Right, right. And you feel it and you see if you... It's so well done because you can see where a different choice would completely change mm-hmm. the timeline, right? Yeah, completely but, change the timeline, but in a way that you could still do what comes next. Right. And your input is probably going to cause some yes, of the exactly. things rolling and that it still feels like you're making really legitimate, powerful choices. And it's up to your story guide to, to, to do that kind of puzzle piecing together. And it's not hard to do. No. Like it's that, because these adventures are so well-written. Right. And and that's always the funny thing with like a, with a puzzle piece style of adventure, right? I You have, in theory, you have two types of uh, of adventure design, and people will yell at me for making it this simplistic, but a railroad adventure and a, a, a toolbox or a sandbox adventure, right? Yeah. These are designed in such a way that it is a sandbox with enough rails that you can mm-hmm. build your own railroad yep. with the sandbox, right? And, yeah, and, and the player's participation. Yeah. Uh, and like every one of these adventures has like, here's what this faction's up to. This is, you know, where where these NPCs are coming from. And, you know, this is a, a tangent that your players can follow or you could do your entirely own thing. Yep. Um. So let's let's start. Okay. Uh, let's start about with the first one. Ooh-wee. Strange Bedfellows. <laughs> the heart of this adventure, if you're trying to reuse it, the, the core of it is this is a presidential campaign and a Nova is running for president. Yep. You can take that idea. You can take some of the structures of that pretty easily. You just have to completely throw out pretty much every single political party um, and, and like geopolitics, because this is, this is a future in which the Republican party has scat- shattered and fractionalized. So you have uh, the Republican party, the libertarian party, a new party called the American Eagle party. Uh, um, and then you have the Democrats who are, who are, uh, they are presumed to be the ones who is fielding the Nova candidate in this continuity. It is considered uh, Randall Portman. The fireman is running for president. Obviously you have to to change that if you're keeping with, with vanilla uh, TC um, but it also says another Nova or one of the PCs could be doing that. That's that's part of how good it is. Yep. And so you have this this universe where the Republican Party has fractured, and it's, it's <laughs> so it's so like because anyone looking at the Republican Party in that era could see that happening. Yep. But nothing that this book presents is as crazy and weird and effed up as Donald Trump winning the nomination and then the election. Right. Like they, the reality they, has outsatired this book. They say multiple times uh, the American public are unlikely to elect a celebrity candidate for the presidency. Uh, 
And I know, I know. Every time I read that, I laughed out loud. I have read this adventure. I every time I've picked up this book, and I have done so Mm -hmm. multiple times over the years. Every time I read and then reread this first adventure, Mm -hmm. because it's both funny and prescient and scary all at the same time. Yeah, and somewhat sweet that they would think things would go as nicely as this. As nicely as this. As nicely as, you know, basically Senator Kelly from the X-Men. Yeah. uh, Being a political like, yeah, that's that's the the hopeful, optimistic thing (laughs) as opposed to what actually happened. Um, So, yeah, like the poli- you're going to have to redo the politics. Like reality has trumped uh um, what was presented here. Yeah. So the 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 funny the okay so one of the things you have to buy in from the original aberrant timeline is that the libertarian party was capable of getting a president elected. Mhm. And I don't mean to laugh at my libertarian friends. No, but no. I mean but, I, in many ways I consider myself a, a little L libertarian about a number of of uh, issues. For sure. But what I will say is that um, getting a president elected in a, the American political bipolar system uh, is very hard. And as a political scientist, I actually mm-hmm. did a huge research project into the way India, which has a very similar sort of um, of political setup, had a third party kind of come up and dominate the, uh, the electoral space, right? Mm-hmm. It requires you starting local and building up a coalition. And then leaning into nationalism, honestly, yeah. because that's what happened in India, right? The yep. the the BJP um, is a nationalist Hindu party, and they have used uh, Indian culture and Hindu culture in particular as this platform, right? Mm-hmm. The libertarians have never done that. Will never do that. Like, uh, can't, right? Yeah. Like, just do not have the right structure as a party to do so. But if you're going to buy in. So the libertarians getting a president elected, I think you can use that from this book. Yeah, I think you could say, yeah, somehow the libertarians, maybe with some Nova support, pull off four years of a libertarian president. Yeah, because I actually think if you want to keep that, it helps set up a Nova candidate. Yeah, actually being potentially successful. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you said, you know. It, I, it it might not take all that much for a Nova candidate to 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 win it, especially given how <laughs> reality has presented itself. Yes, yes. But yeah, so yeah, you're you're gonna have to do yeah you you yeah feasibly you could have a libertarian. I I think that you should just take some time, <laughs> pick this thing apart, yeah, uh, and just really rearrange it based off what's actually happened. For sure, um, you're, you're gonna have it. It's gonna be a lot more, a lot more synchronicitous. You know, uh, I think. Um, aberrant core like tc core aberrant book basically said that a liberal a a a centrist democrat won the the uh the 2020 election which is exactly what happened and i think that that's that's what you should go along the lines of basically going into you know uh the uh, the next election cycle assuming that that's what it's going to be uh you know that that biden yeah or whatever it's it still works right like because you could easily have that president having served eight Mm -hmm. years 
And then, uh, okay, of course, the Democrats are going to field another person. So maybe the Nova is that person mm-hmm. or maybe the Nova, because they're super charismatic, is the third party candidate. Yeah, right. That, that's a possibility as well. It, I feel like it fits better. Mm-hmm. It, but the one element that really I really get caught up on in 2023 mm-hmm. is this idea that the Republican Party would split because some elements of the party go too crazy. Yeah, no, that reality has reality has shown us out. That's what we were all hoping was happen, and and basically delegitimized themselves. But yeah. no, no, apparently crazy is the the, the way things went. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so you're yeah, I like I think you need to restructure this to to be more in line because reality has proven us all fools. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, and you need to go with that because it's it's just not gonna it's not gonna to ring true uh, right. if you don't. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of like back and forth polit- politicizing. Uh, there's this. We should talk about the concept of sphinxes. Yes, uh, because this is to me the coolest, truest part mm-hmm. of the Trinity continuum in Aberrant. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, uh, as you know, in our listeners, if they're paying attention to the little hints I've dropped, we are playing a game that you are running. And yes, yes, absolutely. My character basically believes in sphinxes existing, right? Mm-hmm. Like he has not used that term yet, but he's he will get there, right? Mm-hmm. Where he, he has this idea that okay, aberrants have existed longer than um, the than end day. How? Why? What does that mean? Wait, there are all these other forces, Aether and things like that, that have existed in the timeline leading up to the Aberrant Era. What the fuck, right? Yeah. <laughs> and this idea of the Sphinxes are, they are super smart Novas that have the ability to influence and shift and change everything around them. Yeah. And I think that's accurate right yeah. like i mean that is absolutely true i mean mm-hmm. uh, you know the idea of just by force of using super super charisma and super intelligence um and, and like being able to plot the course of what you want like it's it's very dune like it's yep. very like wizards Hadarak level of of uh of being able to understand things like m- less clairsentient more meant at yeah, uh, yeah, kind of stuff. Um, and yes, and the ability to alter reality with quantum powers. This this is a true thing. So uh, our our Nova candidate in this, Randall Portman. You know, obviously, you're going to have to switch that out. Yeah, the fireman uh, in Trinity Continuum yeah. has died. He yeah. died, s- sacrificed himself to save people. I feel like it fits his personality a lot better than becoming. I, a I don't think candidate. I don't think Slider would be a good replacement. Like you can't. Nope. I don't think she's she's good where she is. Yep. Um, I actually have a, an NPC in my back pocket, uh, or an NPC slash PC, if I were going to hand it out as a pre-gen, um, that, uh, I, I just, I'll just go ahead and discuss because it's germane. Uh, essentially it is, uh, because I want to run a scenario that is, uh, all about my local hometown politics, essentially all about Atlanta politics. Yeah. And basically this character is a, a person of color. They, you know, uh, came from, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, uh, urban Atlanta, uh, you know, has, you know, has suffered a lot of the problems of the world uh, and, you know, like had a plan of like, if I erupt, I am going to become president. Like they were yeah. thinking about this long, like because they they just have lived in the shit and they're incredibly bright and they they have a plan from before they erupted and they do erupt. 
Uh, and essentially their plan involves, okay, step one, become a public defender. Yeah. Don't do utopia. Don't do any of this stuff. Be a person who, who, who saves people, who protects people physically and, and visibly. Yeah. And that is their stepping stone. Like that's where they're at uh, in their, their plan to become president. So someone along those lines, if I were running this, that's, I'd have this person either as a PC who I've, who I've talked with or as an NPC. Yeah. I, I immediately love that. That's great. Like the, wherever you, the city is that you want to mm -hmm. establish like a New York city public defender yeah, doing yeah. that. Perfect. Like fits Atlanta fits yeah. LA fits yeah. Chicago fits. Right. You well, just go on and on and on. I want it to be Atlanta because I want there to be a big, show, big, big confrontation over stone mountain. Sure. Uh, and, you know, have this person have the opportunity to just slag the face of the mountain off. <laughs> That is a great scene to envision mm -hmm. in a story. Yeah. Like, oh, no, we're going to do this right. We're going to do this. Like, oh, no, there's a big quantum batter slag. Nice. But yeah, so something like that. So, but this, the uh, Portman in this continuity, someone else in the, another company, if you're using this story, uh, has come upon this idea of sphinxes and is very concerned about them. Yep. And that is the core reason why they are running for president, because they want the power not just the quantum power, but the political, social power to uncover these beings, do something about them, you know, try and 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 push back and and like uh, keep democracy alive in the face of this very strange threat that the Nova Age presents. Yeah, I think the interesting thing too is Randall doesn't want to be a sphinx himself. Oh no, no, right? He is honestly looking at that, going man, that's a threat to everything I believe in. Mm -hmm. How do I block them? Which almost makes him Sphinx-like in oh, thinking. Yeah. yeah, he's starting that down that path. Right. So I like that kind of ambiguity of like a, a Nova who is like smart enough to recognize those things, but not in that super smart like space. Mm -hmm. What can they do to take aim at it mm -hmm. and make decisions that fit their moral compass and i love everything about it yeah, it's really good uh and you have uh the american eagle party candidate a character named mark anthony green who is basically senator kelly yep, um, yep. from the x-men yep. uh who has found this out he has a journal of portman and is using that to basically strip all the truth out of it yep. uh and use it as a weapon against portman because uh, he's kind of the other front runner in this, like the the Libertarian Party candidate and the Democrat and the Republican candidate, not super well positioned. But these two are are like the two. And so, yeah, I mean, it, this is this is, you know, what what if Beast ran against Senator Kelly kind of thing. Yep. <laughs> um, or it's some a very, other. very good like comparison. Mm -hmm. it's a, Randall Portman's a little bit more like Superman. -y. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. A little more Superman. -y. I'm trying. I'm just trying like Colossus, maybe like maybe. In, the, in, in the good yeah. guy kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So that's the setup. I mean, it, it, and there's a lot of like ins and outs. There's a lot of people, uh, you know, uh, your your uh, Mark Anthony Green has like a Nova on the side that they use, even though they're variantly anti Nova. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's like there's all sorts of little political things that you can pick up. And reassign to more realistic politics. Yeah. To make this work. Yeah. There's also a, a whole group of side NPCs, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Um Kobe Green, 
one of the sphinxes right mm-hmm. if, I, if i remember right yes. and this um there's there Raffaella. um oh she has like two names i can't remember her name anyway there are a couple of these npcs right and they are little bits and bobs of the story of people who can get involved yes one of them is she's a um a movie star effectively mm-hmm. like she um her whole thing is that she gets pulled in because someone's trying to make it look like Randall Portman called a, a, her as like a call girl. And she mm. was like, oh, I'm interested in what that could look like. Um, I laugh that that could actually work as a uh, campaign tactic in 2023. Yeah, in 2023, that's, that's <laughs> not all that. Uh... Yeah, probably unlikely to derail a president. Mm-hmm. But the interesting thing about her is that she's smart. She's way smarter than mm-hmm. people think she is. And she gets involved because of this, this setup basically. And then she's like, what if I did get involved in this? What if I helped? And I love that, right? I love that sense of like, here's a smart Nova actress who uh, people underestimate. And so mm-hmm. they, tangentially try to tie her to this greater uh, conspiracy or or you know attempt to discredit a presidential candidate and then she's like oh now you have my attention mm-hmm. and i would love if she even if she's not a sphinx at the beginning that she becomes oh, yeah. one mm-hmm. because now she's clued she's got, in she's clued in and she's like oh i there's so much more i could do with myself yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a wonderful toolkit that needs reworking, but this type of story is prime material for an aberrant campaign. Yeah. It's and it's like really interesting. It's so completely different from a lot of superhero stuff. Like this is very uniquely aberrant. Yeah. Um, and like very uniquely like 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 even today, comics don't go. Uh, here very often yep i think the other thing to me uh mechanically if i were doing this in trinity continuum right mm-hmm. the goliath rules would yes. be used not one goliath for the election though you oh, could yeah. do that you could do that um it would just be a little weird but i would have three to ten goliaths yeah. as the system right like mm-hmm. the the other thing that we haven't mentioned is the way primaries work um, in this book is quaint. Mm-hmm. It's the way primaries worked back in um, 1999 and 2000. It's not how they work anymore. Like they've been changed. Yep. Um, the parties do different stuff, but you can still take the general idea, figure mm-hmm. out how the primary system works today, create a Goliath for the primary or create one a, a goliath for each of the big primary days right uh-huh. where you have super tuesday and you have all these things and super tuesday two or whatever the fuck we're calling it now right all these things as like steps along the way yeah that you absolutely. can have role-playing scenes within mm-hmm. but it would mechanically make it a little bit easier yeah. to Move, do those. moving from goliath to goliath with interstitial scenes where you can sort of more more use your minute map art. Yeah. Another yeah. thing is that, you know, there are a lot of baselines in this adventure. Yep. Uh, and not all of them, but a couple of them could should and could be talents. Yep. Oh, some of them 
absolutely our talents, even though they're not in this, right? Like mm-hmm. the libertarian um, president, she should be a talent. Absolutely. I am, I am not a person that's like every baseline should be a talent in TC, yeah. but she should because she's actually really capable, mm-hmm. really smart, and strangely lucky, right? Yep. She's yep. strangely, like even they, in this, like yeah, is in the uh, right places at the right time. I mean, there's a couple of instances in this book where they point out a particular baseline who is really capable, really lucky. Like, I think they knew. I think yeah. they knew, but weren't ready to go there yet. Yeah. Which, uh, cool, right? Yeah. So like, I I think we've kind of said what we have to say about this particular part of the adventure. I just want to call out, and this is true for the rest of the book, the art. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of really good profile pictures like things that you could show a PC, like this is what they look like. They're pretty good um, uh, in terms of just like quality of art and and very, you know, and there, you also have like for the candidates, you have a really good succinct profile sections on them. Uh, like, and it like goes down their political viewpoints. It's an excellent toolkit. It absolutely like taking this outline of a candidate profile and rewriting it for today for something you're mm-hmm. running would be perfect. Um, but you probably can't use these as written because the no. platform items just are not. Well, some of them are more relevant than I'd like to admit in 2023. Yes. Yeah. But the way they're, you know, they're tooled, maybe you'd adjust them a little mm-hmm. bit. So, yeah, like so this is this this is ironically the things you have to change about this are much more about uh, real world politics yeah. than the Trinity Continuum, <laughs> um, uh, which is not so much the case for our next adventure. Right. Uh, this this uh, actually things have become a little bit simpler, in my opinion, in the Trinity Continuum regarding what would be happening here. Uh, it is the apostasy. Uh, Josh, why don't you tell us what what's the deal with the apostasy? Okay, so this um, Project Utopia had a terraforming project to terraform Ethiopia, right? Mm-hmm. And, and Antius was key to ensuring the success of this project, right? He is a Nova who has the ability, one, he is a Nova. Two, he is a, um, uh, I'm trying to give him the right scientific, he is a biologist, that's not the right term, mm-hmm. he is a... Um, He's an ecologist, a yeah. right? Yeah, he's, yeah, he's an ecologist. ecologist. Yep. He's a swamp thing. He is swamp thing, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> he is, uh, and he is one of the few Novas noted to be in canon Quantum 6. Right. Uh, at the start of storyline. Right. And also, in the Trinity Continuum, he already has leanings toward the Terrigen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, in the original, he did not. Yeah. He was very much a Project Utopian lockstep. Mm-hmm. I believe in the project. I believe in this. Mm-hmm. He believed especially in finding ways to, for humanity to live more in accordance with nature. Yes. And I I like that about him, right? Mm-hmm. Like, but he also, Metaplot, he goes off the beaten path where he's like, yep. oh, eventually he decides that humanity is the threat to nature. Yes. And I'm not sure I disagree with him, yeah, but- yeah. It's one of those things you can see, right? Where yeah, he goes, absolutely. you know, step to step to get there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and in this project, Utopia says, "Hey, we're going to do that Ethiopia project. We're going to do that in um, on the other side of the continent, yeah, 
in the um, Sahara Desert. Um, this is a complicated, technically it's the Sahel, but anyway, yeah. um, in that desert region to make it another breadbasket of Africa. Yeah. Um, the difference being, uh, they note that the motivations in for doing Project Eden, which would be Ethiopia, the Opia Project, were by and large altruistic. It was, hey, let's do a good thing. Well, let's let's do it right. Go through it now. And this is where we have to start talking about the differences in the settings, uh, because uh, the Jennifer Landers murder, uh, yep. Slider's murder, uh, and all of the little details that are cropping up as a result of things that we've discussed in previous books with the efforts of the aberrants and some of the Terrigen to start picking at the edges of Utopia and starting to expose Project Proteus. Uh, that is starting to bubble up. And you have higher-ups in the Aeon Society and in Project Utopia saying, all right, we need a distraction. We need a big distraction. We need something that makes us look good. So they are mandating this project that was already undergoing, but was was projected to be a, like a five-year project. Yep. Like we need it in, in one year. We need yep. it in one or two years. And that is a... That's a thing that you're going to have to think about if you're one or one to run this adventure close to how it is. Yeah. Uh, you know, I like the idea of Project Utopia still being a little bit um, pushy and trying yeah. to like, oh, we need to do this. Like, this is good for not just us, but it's good for the world. Right. Yeah. And being a little bit too motivated. And then Antius in this, and I, I think you could in Trinity Continuum, would look at it and go, that's stupid. It's yeah, going to no. hurt the world. I'm not doing it. Like he yeah. straight, straight up says, that's not happening. I'm not doing it. Right. Uh, now, if, if I were running this, uh, you, listeners, do you know how I how I change Project Utopia in my games? Uh, this would be pushing from uh, their corporate donor class that are, you know, the, yep. the, 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 the engines of capitalism into which Project Utopia is too far into bed. Um, and I think that they would have to be just sort of thinking about it realistically, yeah. uh, being like champions of the status quo and whatnot in, in certain aspects. So like, I, that's where this would be coming from in my game. Um, not necessarily TC vanilla, because that's not what project utopia is necessarily like in TC vanilla, but yeah. you, but I, I like my project totally a little, a little grayer, not necessarily cackling supervillains, uh, as they are in first edition, but I like them with a little dirt on their fan, their face. Yeah. Um, as a suggestion, not the whole thing, but a little bit of Vought from the boys. Mm -hmm. Yes. Would fit here, right? Where they're a little bit, everything is, is corporatized and shiny and clean and things in that are never clean and shiny, right? Like yes. what happens in that world is, um, is can be real scummy, right? Yep, and absolutely. That can still be the right like motivator for we need this project today mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah so antius says no uh and that prompts the uh higher ups at utopia and aeon to basically say all right we're going to do an end run around antius uh yep. we're going to bring in lower powered novas who we can push around more easily uh and we're going to work them because as uh, you know we have these great powerful novias antius is, antius is a singular being who can do a lot just personally and to make up that gap they decide to bring in lower powered novas and push them really, really hard. Yep. Which and it's hard enough that several of them end up in the Bahrain 
um, yes. facility. Mm-hmm. So they're really pushing them, right? Like mm-hmm. they're pushing them into uh, NPC territory if yes. they were PCs doing this. Absolutely, they are. Um, which, once again, that's that's something you're going to have to reconcile. Yeah. Uh, because that's not necessarily Utopia's MO. It's it's not necessarily either mechanically as sound. That's in- true the tc edition as well like it's easier for novas to like take a break Mm -hmm. right and lose a little bit of flux and in so doing like kind of keep control over themselves yeah but i mean they're yeah um but once again if they're still being pushed and not being allowed to take those breaks yeah yeah uh, then then that that works uh so yeah so um and then this leads to to some tensions, and eventually Antius just nopes out. Yeah, he disappears. Yep, uh, and that causes a lot of problems because, like I said, he's one of the only known like Quantum Six Novas in the world, and that makes a lot of people really nervous really quickly. Yep, which tracks right. Mm-hmm. If someone of his power level who was towing the party line. Mm-hmm. suddenly disappears and what what are they doing you yeah, know exactly it's a it's a definitely a thing mm-hmm. uh and so yeah he, uh you know you so they continue on without him uh and then eventually he shows back up uh you know some people realize where he is and he has essentially created this little mini oasis around an abandoned uh uh village or town uh, in Niger, I believe. I believe in Niger, yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's some issue with Nigeria, which is on the border. Yeah. Uh, who, you know, that's a factor that can be brought in. And essentially, he's set this up and kind of given an open invitation to specific people. Yeah. Uh, and I remember la- la- uh, because I just listened to our most recently released episode, which was Darkness Revealed 2. And I was like, hey, I had an idea about having a LARP in this scenario. Yeah. I got this idea directly from the book. I yeah. didn't have this idea. The book had this idea. Um, the, the funny thing is that I was rereading it. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, this is the LARP plot. And then I'm like, yep. wait, we've been talking about We had LARP been plots. talking about that. Yeah, yeah. And that, that that is a fully feasible way of doing this. Yeah. Um, and so it is, you know, it is made with the assumption that your characters will be one of the few Novas who are invited. And basically, Antius wants to hear people out. Like, yep. Antius realizes that he is at a crossroads, that he needs to do something different with his life. And, you know, he he is this very broad-minded, very intelligent being who's like, all right, maybe I should bring in some other perspectives, um, which is a very grandiose, like, super being way of, like, <laughs> sitting down and figuring out your shit. Yeah. Uh, but he's a grandiose super being, so. It, it's so, interestingly enough, it reminds me of a thing from history. There was a Russian czar at one point who asked all the major religions in the world, mm. come visit me and sell me on your religion. Nice. Right? And honestly, I got all those vibes here. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is a great LARP plot where you could literally use this as a setup for, you know, each group is a faction from one of the organizations within the, tr- mm-hmm. the aberrant world. And you wouldn't have to worry so much about what are people's powers, etc. You can yeah. build in tools that represent powers when you need them. Mm-hmm. But it lets a person like Cestus Pax, for example, yes. come in and try to be diplomatic. Mm-hmm. And maybe not the TC version of Pax. Um, hey, it might be easier for the TC version of Pax to like <laughs> not not be a raging asshole. Um, 
but yeah, I mean, like, and they have it set up where like Antius is this very powerful Nova, and he has such like if anyone starts stuff, vines will grab them and and eject them from the area, which is yeah. a very LARP technique. Yep. Uh, like it, like it definitely reminds me of uh, how uh, violence is handled in uh, Houses of the Blooded. Yep. Uh, game by John Wick. Like basically, if you start unsanctioned violence, then a bunch of guards just beat the shit out of you. Yep. Like that, it just happens. There's no adjudication. And that's very much the same vibe here. Yep, for sure. Um, but yeah, so you have like characters like Count Royal, uh, Count Orziz, Sophia Rousseau is here, and the TC version, no, sorry, the, the first edition version, the aberrant version of her. Um, and it's just a great scenario to put your characters either as a PC on a tabletop or in a LARP scenario where they can in inhabit some of these characters, you can put some big names in front of people in a place where it's all about talking, where it's yep. all about negotiation. It's all about ideology. Yeah. It, it's all about pitching your philosophy, right? To this mm -hmm. super being and <laughs> trying to explain it in a, in depth enough that he mm -hmm. would buy in, right? Like instead yeah. of it, of, Here's your idea. You have to like s pitch it simply to someone. No, this is a you've got a three hundred one this yeah. for this guy because he knows the the one hundred one and the two hundred one level. He needs like yeah. he has questions. Hard. Yeah, he has questions. He has things that he wants to bring up. Mm -hmm. And so, like in Trinity Continuum, like you mentioned, Antis is already also kind of on board with Terrace. Yeah. Um, so like, the way I say that it might be a little bit of a simpler scenario, because if he's going to quit utopia, there's an easy path for him to take. Right. Uh, and something that if you want to use this scenario, maybe you can have in your story, some pretty major and shocking, uh, pretty continuum aberrant activity, like the, the terrorist wing of the, or, or the thing. And that might give Antius a bit of a, a step back. And maybe like, okay, I definitely agree with some of this, but I that does not necessarily mean that I am going to fully join the movement because there's some things that I don't agree with or that concern me. Yeah. Um, you know, a very easy thing there would be the uh the aberrants in Trinity Continuum, right? Mm -hmm. the, the the faction of the Terrigen bomb the Amazon or yeah. uh, some of the jungle in Cambodia or something like that. And that just makes him go, wait. Uh, it's one thing to want to uh, ascend and be mm -hmm. more than what we are, but you can't destroy the living world. We are part of the living world, right? That would immediately, I think, like yeah, make him pause. And yeah, that would make him pause. That would make him re-examine some of the stuff and make this scenario easier to run. Yeah. I think almost make it so easy. It's not funny, right? Like yeah. I, I feel like this scenario could very easily be run with very tiny tweaks, mm -hmm. right? The you'd, ha you'd have to adjust Utopia's motivations. Yep. Uh, you'd have to kind of put some distance between Nantius and the Terrigen. Uh, and uh, yeah, you'd have to remove the first edition aberrants from the equation. Yep. Um, because they don't exist in Trinity Continuum. And they are totally the, the the characters that are involved with that totally different uh, places in the in the setting for sure. Um, but you could add in so many other things that would be interesting mm -hmm. here, right? Like some of the Trinity Core factions, um, organizations, and things might be interesting here. Yeah. Or like, what if um, 
the uh, daughters of the of the Jacobins from yeah, from um, assassins from assassins. Yeah, so a group like that, right, comes mm-hmm. in and is like, and everyone's like, "Who are these people?" And they're like, "Hey, we we want to bring you into shadow." Mm. or the daedalus league they all like look look there's there's not just this world yeah and like think about think about expanding life uh beyond this little cradle yeah um uh oh you know what you know who needs to be here in this scenario margaret mercer yeah 100 percent. 100 percent. margaret mercer needs to be in on this meeting Yep. And everyone's like, oh, isn't that the, isn't that, who, that's the head of the Aeon Society. <laughs> why are they here? Yeah, aren't they just exactly. a philanthropic organization? Yeah, or like, or like, I thought, why aren't they just here with Project Utility? Like, why didn't they just have like, well, because there's a difference. And yeah. There's, there's definitely could be, a, like, this would be a thing of like, okay, so Project Utopia, who's this big Goliath that is, that's beholden to all of these other, like, you know, governments and things, they've got their agenda over here. The Aeon Society, different agenda like yeah. their parent organization but they can show that there's some there's there's something the thing behind the curtain is not the thing in front of the curtain right i um scott we need to figure out a way to run this as a larp that's yeah, all i'm saying i know i know i know <laughs> we absolutely do it's so perfect like in this age of blockbuster larps with high yeah. production values you're absolutely right yep um i also want to point out that my um the, my favorite NPC of all time, who I actually had forgotten about and rewrote thinking I had come up with them uh, on my <laughs> own, is in this um, chapter. And that's a uh, it's a Tuareg man who uh, is uh, his powers are based around the desert wind. Mm, um, yes. And for just the sake of my own gratification to, to say this, all of my research in college was about Molly. And mm-hmm. about um, the conflict in northern Mali that the Tuareg were a major element of, right? Mm-hmm. And so I have a lot of um, thoughts um, and empathy, um, even though I don't agree because they were uh, aligned with Al Qaeda. Um, yeah. I I can understand a lot of the motivations of the people there, and this character for me. When I came back to them, I was like, oh, maybe this is a source for why I immediately latched on to mm-hmm. this thing in real life that happened. Um, there was a civil war uh, a couple of years ago, uh, almost eight years ago now. Um, I think that this adventure mm-hmm. made me want to focus on it. And I just the power of role playing games. Oh, yes. To connect us to the real world and bring us deep into things without maybe realizing it years later when you revisit yeah. a thing and you're like, oh, wait, yeah. Yeah. Aberrant, especially first edition Aberrant, does not always handle other cultures well. Yep. This is an exception. Yeah. It's like very... The, this book in general is, is a pretty good exception for everything just hitting on all cylinders. Yep. Yeah. It's, um, it's as culturally conscious as I would anticipate something. Plus one, right? Yeah, like it is... Absolutely. Just a little bit better than I would expect from 2000. Well, for, for all the ragging that we do on White Wolf, like yep. they're usually better than their contemporaries are. Absolutely. And this book really does shine in mm-hmm. a way that they, who the people they got to write it thought about these things, did some re- actual research, were being 
human first, right? Mm -hmm. And and thinking these are people, if they're people, how would they react in these situations? Instead of going, here's a stereotype I want to throw into the story. I I feel like we see that with the characters in the presidential plot Mm -hmm. and in this story where it's like, these are real people with real motivations and it just makes it live. Yeah. Also, something I want to point out is that uh, this this starts a trend in that is followed in the rest of the book that really wasn't uh, in the first chapter of having faction specific in play artifacts. Yes. Uh, before the adventure proper, which yep. you know things that you could hand your character if they were a part of the directive, or if they yep. were a utopia, or if they were terraging. Yeah. Um, and like uh, like other good general in play information about what's going on. Yeah, it, it, it's all good, right? Yeah. Like it's all good stuff. Yeah. Um, we clearly, with looking at the time, like don't have yeah. time to get into the next two adventures. But like these are, uh, if you were to design an adventure, to me, this is what you should be shooting for. Mm-hmm. Only one other type of adventures for me have ever been to this level and that's the pugmire adventure series yeah um for to me they're a a different style but they're on the same level of quality of adventures and i don't know like the 10 out of 10 adventure design i agree it's they're so good it's so good um, I, I don't have strong memories of phase two mm-hmm. that we're definitely going to have to reread them. <laughs> yes. I, I do recall it not hitting as hard as this. I, that was my memory as well. But uh, this one I've read, obviously, like I oh, read yeah. uh, recently, but like even before this read, I had read it a couple of years ago, too. Yeah. Phase two, I don't think I've read since it came out. Right. Yeah, uh, yeah. Maybe that says something about it, but yeah. we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, we are definitely going to go over the next two adventures in our next episode, uh, which may or may not release after this one. It, it That's going to be in the future. Yeah. Uh, but we're definitely going to be talking about those two because that's when the heat gets churned up in this book. Yes. That's where the fireworks start going off. And, oh, are Ooh. they pretty fireworks? Yeah. These, just as a hint to forward to them, these are the meta plot firecrackers that mm-hmm. that really start the war right like, yeah this is where where the wheel this is where the the, the fire starts to burn yep yep uh, and it's it's certainly a ride it and and yet it's so well structured to have your pcs be relevant and action having actions in it yeah and i i have run one of these adventures in the past uh, it, it's the one that everyone should run uh, if you're running first edition <laughs> ad, right? Like uh, the, every other one in the book, this book is great. The last one is the one that you absolutely should want, should run. Uh, yeah. If you want to have like the crystallized aberrant experience. And yeah. I ran that. It was a blast. And, and we'll certainly have a lot to talk about it. I look forward to that conversation. All right. Well, now more than ever, as we foreshadow, uh, you need to keep your arms of the angel of wrath on the round the trinity continuum <laughs> <laughs>